Hey, today it's our honor to welcome Pastor Gary House to bring the word and to wrap up our series in the book of Acts. Gary, along with his wife, Kathy, have been longtime Foursquare pastors, and we are so thankful that God brought them here to live in Santa Maria. They are gifted and faithful leaders in our church and community. Gary is currently finishing up his PhD work in clinical Christian counseling, and together with his wife, Kathy, they, they lead a ministry called P91, uh, based on Psalm 91, that focuses on biblical counsel, deliverance, and emotional healing. Hey, would you join me in welcoming my friend, Pastor Gary House. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be with you today. Thank you, Pastor Tim. That was a very gracious introduction. Maybe one of the best ones I've ever had. You know, so thank you. It's a joy because when Pastor asked me if I would uh, speak, he said, I want you to talk about a fearless community. And uh, as my mind kind of began to roll and, and function throughout thinking about what is all that going to mean, what is that going to look like, as we look at the book of Acts, I was amazed and encouraged as I began to read through Acts and the rest of Acts to begin to realize how much the scripture talked about a guy named Paul and what the Lord had to say to him about what we've already sung, don't be afraid. So we're going to dive into that and look at it today and see what the Lord has to speak into our lives. So let me begin in chapter 18. And most of the verses will be up on the screen for you to be able to follow if you'd like, but feel free to use the, uh, the written word if you'd like to as well as I am. In chapter 18 and verse 9, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. Paul is in Ephesus at this point in time, and as he's beginning to teach with the people and share with them about the word of God and begin to help them understand, it's fascinating to me that this great man that we look up to and admire and respect and quote so often, that God comes along and he says, hey, Paul, I know you. And I'm going to tell you, don't be afraid. And that encourages my heart. Perhaps it does you as well, because oftentimes you look, we look at ourselves and we say, ah, oh, man, I can't do this. How am I going to be able to accomplish that? And the Lord comes along and says, don't be afraid. Do what I've told you to do and watch what I will do with it. It's an amazing thing what God does. I have a story I want to share with you and some things that I think God will help us understand throughout the scriptures. We only have 10 chapters to cover, so uh, make sure you're comfortable. Hopefully you have a pillow in your chair if you're in the courtyard or somewhere else and so forth. It'll only be about three or four hours. But anyway, let me begin with this story. It's, the setting is in February 23rd, 155 AD. It's in Smyrna, Greece, and it's repeated by Pastor Mark Batterson, and it goes like this. Like a scene straight out of Gladiator, Polycarp was dragged into the Roman Colosseum. Discipled by the Apostle John himself, the aged bishop faithfully and selflessly led the church at Smyrna through the persecution prophesied by his spiritual father. Do not be afraid of what you are to suffer, writes John in Revelation 2.10. Be faithful even to the point of death. 
John had died a half century before, but his voice still echoed in Polycarp's ears as the Colosseum crowd chanted, Let loose the lion! That's when Polycarp heard a voice from heaven that was audible above the crowd. Be strong, Polycarp. Play the man. Days before, Roman bounty hunters had tracked him down, and instead of fleeing, Polycarp fed them a meal. I'm not sure that's what I would do exactly, but going on. Perhaps that's why they granted his last request, an hour of prayer. Two hours later, many of those who heard the way Polycarp prayed actually repented of their sin on the spot. They did not, however, relent of their mission. Like Jesus entering Jerusalem, Polycarp was led into the city of Smyrna on a donkey. The Roman proconsul implored Polycarp to recant, swear by the genius of Caesar. Polycarp held his tongue and held his ground. The proconsul prodded, swear and I will release thee. Revile the Christ. Eighty and six years have I served him, said Polycarp. And he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The die was cast. Polycarp was led to the center of the Colosseum, where three times the proconsul announced, Polycarp has confessed himself to be a Christian. The bloodthirsty crowd chanted for death by beast, but the proconsul opted for fire. As his executioner seized his wrist to nail him to the stake, Polycarp stopped them. He who gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me to do so without the help of your nails. As the pyre was lit on fire, Polycarp prayed one last prayer. I bless you, Lord, because you have thought me worthy of this day and this hour to be numbered among your martyrs in the cup of your Christ. Soon the flames engulfed him, but strangely they did not consume him. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him, Polycarp was fireproof. Instead of the stench of burning flesh, the scent of frankincense wafted through the Colosseum. Using a spear, the executioner stabbed Polycarp through the flames. Polycarp bled out, but not before the twelfth martyr of Smyrna had lived out John's exhortation, be faithful even to the point of death. Polycarp died fearlessly and faithfully, and the way he died forever changed the way those eyewitnesses lived. He did what the voice from heaven had commanded. Polycarp played the man. Let's pray. Father, we open our hearts up to hear from you today. Your word is eternal. It is alive. It is real. And it's relevant for us today. Speak into our hearts the word you would have us hear and apply that we may be your ambassadors to the Central Coast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's a, a rather famous missionary lady. You might have heard of her. Name is Mother Teresa. She made this statement, God didn't call us to be successful, but faithful. God didn't call us to be successful, but faithful. And it's rather touching into my heart. Another woman 
from World War II made this comment. She said, it is not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. That was Corey Ten Boom. It's not my ability. I don't know how you are, but I, I really depend upon my ability because I'm really great. That's not really true, but uh, that's how it comes across sometimes into me. And, you know, I, I think God comes and he begins to look and say, well, let me show you what I'm like. In our lives as a Christian, it's our dependence upon who God is, not on what we are. And then there was another little stat that I, I found. I thought it was fascinating and interesting. Do you realize that the nation today in our world that has the fastest growing number of Christians, it's the country of Iran. People are turning to Christ by the droves in this country right now because they said Islam is not satisfying the need that we have. And they're turning to Christ to find reality. And they're finding reality in him because of the people that are sharing back with them. It's a fascinating thing. God is on the move. He's doing great things in our world. And he's doing great things right here at home and where you and I live. I want to look at three simple things throughout this. I won't be pointing them out, but I'll be including these thoughts as we talk together throughout the several verses we're going to examine. First of all, I want to look at people fearlessly presenting and offering the gospel to people, some of which were open to receive the gospel and some who did not want to receive the gospel. It didn't matter. They still presented the gospel. Secondly, I want to look at the fact of the people that came along and they began to hear from God, but there were also conflicting voices along with that word of the Lord to them. And what did they do with that? And third, I want to look at the fact of persecution, even when it comes. And I like what Pastor said a couple of weeks ago when he talked about the fact that uh, persecution is not what we sometimes call persecution. In the biblical terms, it really has to do with life and death or imprisonment, beatings. I mean, something that's very evident and real that happens to somebody. But as persecution comes, we're going to find in the scriptures here how in spite of that persecution, it did not stop the power of God from flowing through those that were proclaiming the gospel to people. See, God's not restricted because I go through hard times. God's not restricted because I'm in a pandemic. God isn't restricted because there are rioting and there are disagreements and there's turmoil and upheaval around me. God is not limited by those things. He's still God. And that's a truth you and I need to hold on to with our lives, to realize this, he's not limited because of what I'm facing. He's God. And so we tap into his ability and realize it will get me through or press me through whatever it is that's in front of me. So let's dive into the scriptures. We've looked at, at Acts chapter 18. Let me turn and go over to chapter 20 and verse 16 and then down to verse 22. It reads, Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. Let me pause right here. The setting is in the fact that Paul is feeling like, I want to get to Jerusalem. I want to spend Pentecost there. 
and when we review the timetable here, is somewhere over 50 days away to Pentecost. So he's got about, about a month and a half or more to be able to get to Jerusalem. Sounds like an easy thing to us, but remember, most of their travel is going to be over by land or by horseback or some other means or by ship. In his situation, he was going to be in a boat being able to get there, which means you make a lot of stops along the way. So while it seems like, wow, that seems like no problem whatsoever to get there, uh, it would be quite an adventure to be able to press toward it. But that was his heart. He says, I want to go ahead and get there. Moving down to verse 22, it says, and now I am bound by the Spirit. And he's speaking to the Ephesian elders here that's gathered together with him. He says, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now, get this with me, would you? Paul is coming along saying, I got a word from the Lord. God told me that I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. And it's more than just feeling like it's a nice idea. I'm feeling compelled in some of your renderings and translations might say, use the word compelled rather than bound. And uh, but he says, I am feeling such a press, I need to get to Jerusalem. And so I want to get there by Pentecost time. And so he's feeling this sense of this, and he's telling this to the Ephesian elders that are gathered together with him, that he's sharing these various things with. And he says, I don't care what happens to me. I realize that the Holy Spirit's told me that there may be problems, there may be difficulties, but I don't care. I want to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody I have the opportunity to do so with. And Paul pressed himself to say, that's my assignment from God. This is where I'm going. And he moves into it in what the Lord would say into his life. When we move over to chapter 21, we begin to find some conflicting words. Let me show them to you. Starting in verse 4 of chapter 21, it says, We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. Now, Paul is on his journey. By this point in time, he's in the city of Tyre, and, uh, which is roughly about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And he's there and gathered with the believers and so forth. And he's sharing with them, here's what the Lord has laid upon my heart that I'm supposed to do. And they begin to speak to him by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and said, uh-uh, Paul, you shouldn't do this. This is not going to be good for you. And they begin to do so. So there becomes a kind of sense of, okay, who am I supposed to believe here? What goes on? Well, it gets more complicated because we move on in the chapter, and in verse 10, it says, several days later, as they've been gathering together, that a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will 
be done. I want to point out a couple of points in here. Because often we may feel like I've got a word from God. And God's spoken to me about doing whatever it may be. And we're beginning to move forward in seeing that process. And all of a sudden it seems somebody comes along and says, oh, you shouldn't do that. How do you know that that's going to work? And there can be a variety of other things. And the complication in the scripture here would appear as though that, that God is saying two different things. Then on one hand, he's speaking to Paul and says, go to Jerusalem, and, uh, and I know you're going to face stuff there, Paul. You're going to suffer. You're going to be jailed. But go to Jerusalem. And now he's being apparently told, or it seems at least, that he's being told, hey, Paul, if you go there, man, it's going to be bad news for you. So what do you do? How do you handle those kind of moments when it appears as though there's a conflict inside yourself or from your... Uh, uh, those that would be around you trying to provide some form of confirmation. Let me give you a very simple thing, okay? This could be a whole teaching in itself that we don't have time to do the, this morning. But let me simply say this. Number one, no word from God should ever contradict his word. If it goes against the word of God, you need to be able to bring it back to the Lord again. Say, God, what's up here? I don't understand this. Number two is make sure that the people that are giving you counsel are people you can truly trust and are godly people. And forgive me if that sounds cruel or uh, mean in any way, it's not meant to be. But it is to say that we need to check out these things with the Spirit of God. Because when God speaks into your heart, the one responsible for that word is you. Not other people. Not what they have to say or how they need to say it. And all, it is God, you and God. So you need to go back to the Lord. I've had those occasions, and I could give you several different examples of people that followed that through, and it was right on words confirmed by other people. And by the way, I'm very much uh, in favor of having confirmations. You know, I'm, I'm at times been very much like Gideon, if you remember his story, and all when he came back and said, that's real nice, God, about calling me to be a, a great man and so forth like this, but he said, would you patronize me with this fleece that I have to lay out in front of you and he does this two different times and I really believe that there are times God is gracious enough to come alongside of him and says I know where you're at I know what you're going through it and I know you have some troubles or struggles with your doubts I'll help you through those doubts and God will do that with us and I'm thankful that he does but I also want to offer to us that when we realize God is speaking into our lives we need to go back to him and while we may get encouragement or helps from other people, and that's very good, I've been on the receiving end of those things, and I've been on the giving end of those things with people. But one of the things I will usually turn to people and say, now, these are the things I'm sensing that God has me to say to you right now. And there may be scriptures along with it, maybe other things like that, but I'll usually turn it back to those people, and I'll say something like this. I say, but in the final analysis, it's between you and God. You have to determine what is God and what is not God. And then you need to follow the peace of God that will lead you to fulfilling his will and his purpose for you. The second thing in this portion that I want to take notice of is in the fact that we always need to be cautious about the words we give other people. Be careful of the things that when somebody comes to you and says, I've got a word from God and God told me to do this and so forth. Always be very careful and cautious in what you say back to people 
Because oftentimes they'll take that as God's word and they may run with it. But always be willing to take what you have to share with people and submit it to them rather than dictate it to them. Because that way they can take it back with the Holy Spirit and bring confirmation with the Holy Spirit into their lives and God will be able to lead them in what he has to do. As we move on to chapter 23, we find now Paul is in uh, Jerusalem by this time. He's made it all the way there. And he's gone through some times where the Jewish leaders grabbed him. They were going to beat him up and kill him and get rid of him. But the Romans stepped in just in time, saved his life, took him away, put him in jail for a time. And now he's sitting in jail. And uh, that's, that's where the setting is. And in the midst of that moment, Acts chapter 23, verse 11 comes. And it says this, That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. This is fascinating to me. First of all, notice God knows when you and I need encouragement. And he comes alongside of us and says, listen, I haven't forgot about you. And as I was preparing this today, I felt like the Lord wanted to say to maybe some of us today, be encouraged God hasn't forgotten where you're at, what you're going through, what you're facing, what you're trying to figure out with your life right now. He's with you, and he's beside you, and he's going to take you through because he cares about you. Hallelujah. God comes along with Paul here and brings him a word of encouragement. But notice what he says here. God's assessment of Paul's Jerusalem experience is this. You have been a witness to me there. What? You mean getting beat up, dragged away by the Romans, beat up again, falsely accused as being someone else that he, that he wasn't, being a person that's thrown into the prison and accused and threatened constantly, and even a conspiracy to go about killing him was arranged and put together and all uh, toward him, 40 different guys pledged that they wouldn't uh, go on living until they'd killed Paul. That was their goal. And they took an oath with one another to do so. All of this had happened to him, and God speaks to him and says, listen, Paul, you did a good job. You've done a good job in Jerusalem. And church, whether you're in the courtyard right now, whether you're at home right now, I want to speak a word to you. You've done a good job. You may look at yourself and say, yeah, but, I, but, 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 and you could put all the buts you want to in there about what you're not being or what you think you're not. Let me submit to you. The word of the Lord is to you. You've done a good job in Santa Maria. You've done a good job in Aurora Granny on the Central Coast, wherever you may be right now. You've done a good job. And it's fascinating to me that the things, the way God evaluates things is far different than the way I do it. God's assessment of what we do and how we respond to things is looking at our faithfulness and our obedience. And because Paul was faithful and he was obedient to do what God called him to do and go where God called him to go, God says, hey, you're not only going to be in Jerusalem, but you're going to Rome. 
Do you realize the power in those words? Rome isn't going to kill you here. The Jews aren't going to kill you. No plan that's been brought against you is going to prosper or succeed over your life, Paul, because you've got to go to Rome and you've got to preach the gospel there. Wow. But God's evaluation of all of that was based in, you've been faithful to do what I've told you where you're at. That's God's call to you and me. Will we be faithful? Will we be obedient to do what God calls us to do? There's a fascinating verse I love and constantly the Lord is reminding me of in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that speaks that God will always make a way through. That's my paraphrase of it. But God will always make the way for me to get through the things that I'm facing, no matter what the difficulty or problem might be with my life. God is going to get me through because that's his commitment to you and me. He doesn't renege on his commitments either. God always follows through with him, always fulfills it, always accomplishes it because that's his heart of love and grace toward you and me. There's a thought that the Lord seemed to impress in my heart and I want to offer it to you today. It'll be on the screen for you. It's this, faithfulness and obedience yields a fearless community. Faithfulness and obedience yields a fearless community. Amazing thought. All I need to do is learn how to be faithful. All I need to do is learn how to be obedient. You know, you don't have to lift your hand, but I will mind. To indicate the fact is, I struggle with that sometimes. And that, that I find, wow, you know, I want to be faithful. I want to be consistent. And I want to be obedient. I don't want to be a person that comes along and just simply says, well, hey God, I got to do this first. I got to do that first. And then, then I'll get around to the obedience part. I want to be learned to be a person and be a person, I should say, that is faithful to be re responsive to God and obey what he says to do when he says to do it and be that person. But I want to submit to you, when we are, it will yield a fearless community. God wants that for Santa Maria. God wants that for those of you that are listening by live stream, wherever you may be at right now. God wants to create a fearless community where you're at by his power and his grace working and being at work in you. Moving on to chapter 25. And I'll <clears throat> see, we've only got 20 more chapters. No, I'm kidding. Chapter 25, verse 10. Paul is now, he's been before, this is his second main trial before a Roman. He's been before Felix and now he's before Festus. These, both of these men were governors of the area. They're Roman governors. And now in verse 10, it says this. No, this is the official Roman court. So, excuse me, let me read out here. Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal. What the tribunal was, was obviously three people that were gathered together to listen to whatever the things were need to be uh, listened to. And he goes on to say, where I ought to be tried, I have done nothing wrong to the Jews, so you also very well know. Therefore, if I am guilty and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not try to escape death. But if there is nothing to the accusations which these men are bringing against me, no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar or Emperor Nero. Then Festus, after conferring with the men who formed his council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar 
you shall go. Fascinating statement. I want you to catch one little phrase in there. I don't know if you, you, you caught it. But Paul says this. He says, no one can hand me over to my accusers. Wow. How could he say that? Because God has spoken to him, and he felt assured that God was going to stand behind what he, was, what he said he would do, and that was to see him all the way to Rome. See, when God speaks something to you and me, and he begins to help us understand, this is my word for you right now. God stands behind it and says, I will make sure it's fulfilled. You don't have to be the one. It's Corey Tenboom. It's not my ability. It's believing in God's ability that counts. God's going to get me through what I'm facing right now. And whatever it is you're going through, it may be because of the COVID season. It could be because of economic situations. You may have lost your job. You may be facing a real relational difficulty that you're walking through right now. Perhaps it's other forms of health needs. I've listened to several people over the period of time of the months and of people that walking through seasons of times of losing loved ones and couldn't even go to the grave and to grieve and to have those times. Whatever the situation you may be walking through right now, God is standing behind you and with you to say, here's my word, take my word, believe it, and watch me do what I do best, and that's fulfill my word for you. Hallelujah. God is so good, he's faithful to you and me. He will stand behind each thing that he speaks into our hearts. Chapter 26 talks about the fact that Paul is uh, uh, going to Rome for sure. Herod begins to come. It's his third trial that he's had now. And he begins to prepare as he goes, does there. I, I'd like you for to notice, in case you've read, as Pastor asked us to do, to read through the book of Acts. But here in these chapters that I've just been going through, and as we finish here, that we find that Paul, about four different times, is resenting his salvation experience. And it's really fascinating to read it. Because in each account, he shares just something a little different that Luke records for us to begin to understand. It's a, a good study, if you wanted to, to go through that and check it out to see how did he share his testimony. By the way, if, if this was all that Paul said, and we don't know that it is for sure or not, but let me suggest to you, God can be able to use your testimony and help you minister to people in five minutes. Well, that's another story. Okay, we'll get on to that another time about sharing your testimony. Let me close with coming over to chapter 27 and 28. By this time, they've been in the ship. They're on their way to Rome. But there comes up a storm, a very bad storm. And everything seems like, hey, hope is lost. We don't know what we're going to do. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're trying to lighten the load of the ship itself so that it could keep afloat better and easier. But the storm is raging, and it's happening. And in the midst of that, God begins to come, and he speaks to Paul. And he says this, For last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Wow. 
Here's Paul coming along to begin to speak and say, God came and spoke to me again. And as he's beginning to recount what was spoken to him, he says, listen, we're going to go through certain things. But the thing that God spoke to me was, don't be afraid, Paul. Don't be afraid. You're going to stand before Caesar. You're going to Rome. Remember, Paul, I told you, you were going there and you're going to proclaim the gospel to the people there. You know, fascinating to me how God comes along on a regular basis, knowing when I need it, and says, Gary, be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Keep going. Don't give up. You're going to finish what I called you to finish. So don't stop believing and standing in faith for what I'm going to accomplish and do. <clears throat> Amazing in here as well, because as I was praying over this, this thing, I felt like the Lord just spoke to my heart to say to all of us here today, don't be afraid. Some of you are walking through such things right now, and everything within you says, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know how to handle whatever it is you may be facing. And then they may not be everybody that's here or listening. But God is wanting you to know, don't be afraid. And the reason why you can do that is this, and this is what I felt like the Lord laid upon my heart to share with you. God says, I have things under control for you. And what appears as impossible is going to be redeemed by the power of God and you will see it take place. Man, sometimes you come along and think, wow, is God even aware of what I'm going through? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he's going to press through with you to see you get to the other end of that where you will see his results being brought to pass. He will bring forth the answer to that prayer that you're praying. Don't be afraid to press in and believe and stand with what he has to say. I was reading several things uh, this week. One of the things I was reading was a, and part of it was a quote by a man named Jim Caviezel. You may remember him as being the man that played Jesus in the movie, The Passion of the Christ. He made this comment. He said, evil is always defeated when the godly are unafraid. Wow. Evil is always defeated when the godly are unafraid. You know, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I struggle with that fact within me of certain things in life that bring fear or bring concern, whatever word you want to put in there, but it may stop me from maybe pressing in. But he says, listen, evil will not triumph. And if we ever needed to hear something like that in our culture today, it's that kind of a statement. Or begin to realize, listen, no, the evil, whatever you want to term as evil in our culture and world right now, but that evil will not succeed where you and I press forward in our faith and confidence in Almighty God. Because God will triumph over all. Last chapter, chapter 28. See, we made it through 10 chapters. How about that? Verse 2. They've shipwrecked that are on the island now. And it picks it up and it says, The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake 
driven out by the heat, hit him, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't, un- that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. A little word of explanation in here, and that's when they use the term justice in here. When you do some study in it, you realize they were referencing not what you and I would usually use the term for. They were actually referencing a goddess. And so they're saying, in essence, that the goddess saw that he missed the, the shipwreck, and he wasn't killed by that. And so now a snake has come out here and bit him, And now he's going to die because of that. So the goddess that they believed was over the area there at all is the one that got him. And Paul shook it off to say, no, my power of God's greater than a snake. It's greater than a goddess. You know, my God is able to see me through. By his actions, he began to reveal the power of God at work through him in what he was to do. Wonderful things in the midst of being a person that was, had been in trials, been in prison, being carried to Rome now, and all being through a shipwreck. But I want you to notice the power of God was working through this man. The governor of the land or the island there where they were shipwrecked had him go to his house and found his father there. And his father was very ill. Paul ministered to him. The man was healed and then started a healing line. People began to come, and he began to lay hands on people. People were healed one after another. All of this when he's imprisoned. See, the power of God is not limited because of my circumstance. It is released because of who God is. And God can work in the midst of all that we may see in front of us. Let me summarize all that I've said in these five simple points. Number one is God is talking to us. I don't know if you've noticed that and realized that in any way about your life right now, but God's speaking to you today. Number two, believe in what God has spoken to you. Maybe a word out of scriptures that you've held on to. Keep holding on to it. Don't give up with it. Hold on to it. Maybe it's something special God's spoken to you personally. Hold on to that. You've uttered a prayer that you believe God is going to answer. Hold on to that. Don't give up. Believe in God. Number three, be ready to give good news. Wherever God opens up the opportunity, share the word of God with people and minister to him who God is. Number four, live in God's power. What do you mean by that, Gary? I simply mean the fact that be prepared to share and minister in the power of Almighty God through your life into the circumstances that stand in front of you. Remember the quote I offered to you by Corey Den Boom. It is not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. God is ready to do mighty things through you and me. Let's be ready to cooperate with him and stand with him in seeing it accomplished. And last but not least, faithfulness and obedience yields a fearless community. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you, grateful for the power of your word grateful that we're not only just reading history, though it is. We're reading something that is alive and real 
relevant and for today. Lord, I thank you for that truth. I thank you that Paul's life was not lived in vain. The persecutions, the sufferings, the trials, the difficulties that he walked through, Lord, serve as a constant reminder to us that I don't have to be afraid. God is there with me. God is going to take me through. God is going to do some marvelous, wonderful things through my life, even in this season. And Lord, we give you thanks for that reality. And Lord, I pray that for my brothers and sisters today, that they're walking through things that seem so insurmountable, seem so difficult, seem so hard to even comprehend, but that God, you're going to see them through because that's who you are. You are the God that comes along and fearlessly moves forward and works through our lives and shows your greatness and your power and your glory. Lord, I pray that over those listening today, that I partner with them as they partner with me, that we choose to believe that by our faithfulness and our obedience, that you're going to manifest your power and show who you are to the community around us and to the people around us. Lord, I believe that. Would you just pause in my prayer with me for just a moment and just look up at me, if you will. But I just want to address anyone here. We haven't specifically talked about uh, opening up your heart to Jesus Christ today, but I really believe, as I was praying earlier over this time, there may be people you're listening today, maybe you're in the courtyard right now, and you're just feeling something inside, saying, you know, I wonder if that's really true. I wonder if it really works. I want to assure you, it really does. And if those kind of things are thoughts that are going through your heart and mind right now, I want to submit to you, that's God talking to you. And God's trying to say, I love you enough that I want to draw you to myself and show you how real what you're hearing is for you. And I want to make an invitation to you right now. Why don't you open up your heart to Jesus Christ? He's ready. He's able. He's wanting to draw you to himself because he loves you so much, so much, that he wants to reach out to you right now and say, I care enough about you. Open up your heart to me. And if that would be your desire, would you just take a moment out of your own words? Just say, God, I want to invite you into my life. I want to turn the way I live over to you and allow you the opportunity to make a difference in me so that I look more like you than anybody else. Let's finish the prayer. Father, thank you that you hear our prayer right now and you hear the prayer of those that are responding to say, I want Jesus Christ to be God and Lord of my life. Lord, we receive you as such, let alone, Lord, letting you guide us in all that we are. God, let your peace and let your presence come to reign and rule in each person right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you made that decision, let me encourage you to go to our website at sm4.org. And on there is an opportunity for you to, to make a connection and sign up there. And we have a little pamphlet we would love to send to you called Yes. It just gives you some information about what do I do now? Where do I go from here in my walk with God? God loves you and he wants to help you grow and be all that he intends for you to be. Church, it has been a joy to be with you. I have something very special to close with. And I want to speak this blessing to you and me both as we go forward. And it's to take us back all the way back to the beginning where we started in this study. And as we come to this close, it's kind of good to go back to the beginning because it gives us direction 
of where we go. And I want to speak this over us today. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Santa Maria and in all Santa Barbara County and the state of California and even to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name, be blessed and enjoy your week with Jesus. God bless you.